Support for today's show comes from Squarespace. Whether you need a portfolio to showcase your work, a store to sell your products and services, or a blog to share your ideas, Squarespace gives you a powerful online platform to make your next big move known to the world. With Squarespace, you can easily create a website by yourself using user-friendly templates and customizable features. Simply add and arrange your content with just a few clicks. Check out squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code HUSTLEPRO10 to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. You're listening to Side Hustle Pro, the podcast that teaches you to build and grow a side hustle from passion project to profitable business. And I'm your host, Nikayla Matthews. So let's get started. Hey, hey guys, welcome back to the show. Before we get into today's chat with Don Dixon, it's giveaway time. That's right. All December long, I will be giving away holiday goodies and each of you has a chance to win. This episode's goodie is from Curl Mix. Curl Mix is the DIY box for curly hair. Founder Kim Lewis talked all about the origin of Curl Mix in episode 48 of Side Hustle Pro. And now, one lucky winner will receive a set of their best-selling flaxseed gels. Guys, I have tried this product and it's the holy grail. To enter for your chance to win, visit sidehustlepro.co slash win. One winner will be randomly selected and notified on December 21st, 2017. Alrighty, good luck. Today in the guest chair, we have a real boss. Her name is Dawn Dixon, and she's a serial entrepreneur with over 16 years of experience in marketing and business development. She's launched four successful cash flow positive companies since 2002. Her most recent ventures are Flat Out Heels, which sells rollable flats for women, and Solutions Vending International, recently renamed Popcom, which provides a software solution to make vending machines more intelligent. Dawn has received numerous awards and accolades for her business savvy and pitching skills, including being awarded first place in the Power Moves No Love Big Break Pitch Competition and second place in the 2016 SBA Innovate Her Challenge. Dawn was also selected to participate in some of the nation's top accelerator programs, including The New Me, Canopy Boulder, and Techstars. On today's episode, Dawn gets into how she went from living her best life with her business to broke and moving in with her cousin, how she lost $15,000 attempting to start Solutions Vending, how she became a pitching queen, and her best kept secret to find amazing business partners. Let's get into it. Welcome to the guest chair, Dawn. Thank you for having me today. Thank you for being here. So I just read your bio and we know you launched four successful cash flow positive companies to date. I mean, how does someone go from a bachelor's in journalism to serial entrepreneur? Walk us a little bit through your background. Hmm, that's interesting. Okay. So um, I went to school for broadcast journalism and then just in general journalism. And while, when I was in college, I was working at the news station in my mind, preparing myself to just transition to working there after I graduated as a reporter or as a producer, you know, working my way through the ranks. Well, when I got the job at the station, I was, you know, the the college kid. I was an intern, but got low salary. And they gave me the job that nobody wanted to do, which was updating the online news. Online news was a new thing. 
what happened was we had to download the video from the reel that the news did every day and then FTP it up to a server. And then, you know, some hours later, that news broadcast will be available online. Definitely wasn't in real time yet. Was no such thing as streaming yet. So me taking that job because nobody wanted it. Nobody had any experience in computers. They didn't want to have anything to do with this. At the time, I was the only person at the station doing online news. That's what I realized. Wait a minute. The future of media and journalism is going to be online one day. I need to get my skills up, you know, so I can be really competitive when I want to go get a station job. Because as you know, it's already really competitive being a reporter. So I knew I didn't have another skill set. So after I finished Ohio State with journalism, I went to DeVry, um, which is a technical college in Columbus, Ohio, not to get a fancy degree or to be able to name drop like Stanford or something, just to learn technical skills that I could apply to make my resume more impressive. And when I went through the IT program at DeVry, that's when I learned how to code and build websites and really all of the things that, you know, the early IT in the early 2000s, so fireworks and freehand and flash And that just really sparked my interest in technology from just taking that class. I just, it opened my eyes up to, oh my God, all the things that can be done. And then I learned HTML, which at the time HTML and Java were basically the, what everyone used. Um, And then from there, I quit my job at the news station. I got an internship at um, Nationwide Insurance as a business analyst, which was helping Nationwide to develop an intranet, which was a way for them to communicate with each other. So their own internal company internet. Right. And in work and working on that, it just opened my eyes even more to like, wow, like they get paid way more than journalists. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody <laughs> like as an intern, I was making more money than like the reporters. I was like, oh, maybe I should just be in tech. So I just changed my interest, my trajectory of, of my career, just from understanding like they were offering me jobs as twenty thousand dollars a year to come work at the news station. And I got offered a job for forty two thousand dollars a year to stay on and work in that capacity. So that was a no brainer. Um, what I wanted to do is $20,000 difference. And I was 21 years old. Nice. So um, working in that, working at that job, I only lasted for eight months because that was when I realized I'm an entrepreneur at heart. You know, I was killing it, doing well, making good money. And I just was not happy or satisfied. You know, I realized I want to do something different. And my friend and I, who was also working at Nationwide at the time, got the idea to start a website that will help us find out what's going on in the city. We were both recent college graduates. We're too old to hang with the college kids. We felt like we were too young to hang around the 25 and ups. Like they were old to us. (laughs) So (laughs) we were like, we don't want to hang out with them. You know, let's find a website. Let's create a website where we can tell people all the good things going on in the city. And that was in 2001. One and that was called the Urban Star, and that business just really grew, and it became a media outlet. It became like social media before social media. We had um, a weekly email newsletter that went out, so that just like, just without going in too much detail, just that was my first startup. And how did you monetize it? Sold ads online. Okay. So this was okay. the very beginning of the like the web, like the World Wide Web was what it was called, and so. Um, sold advertising online, which was the very beginning of that market. It was not saturated. There was no Google ad. None of that stuff existed. It's like selling ads on my website and sending emails and charging people hundreds of dollars to be included in my email newsletter. And that was very profitable for several years. I had partnerships with a lot of people in the, in the community that especially like, uh, you know, the, the major newspapers, the convention and visitors bureau, because they did not have people's email addresses. They did not have a way to reach them. And I did. 
And that's because I went out with me and six of my friends. We created a street team and we went out with clipboards and pen and paper and wrote down 15,000 email addresses by hand. Wow. So, right. Like everybody was saying, can we have your email? Like it was a, a crazy time, but it worked. And that really just pushed me into like a whole different realm. And like I said, we had a media outlet. We were, um, getting a lot of visibility in the community and then people asking me, I started doing events, member events for our, our stars. We call them our stars, urban stars. And so I would do a monthly membership events for our members and they were very well attended and people would say, well, can you do an event for me? Because I love your events. So then I started a consulting company in 2005 that really focused on helping companies to get online media strategies and marketing strategies and email marketing strategies and also events. And, you know, that lasted six years. I did a lot, moved to Atlanta, worked with athletes, was living my best life, (laughs) you know, going to Super Bowls and All-Star Weekends and celebrities, everything, just living my best life. You were ahead of your time. You were way ahead of my time. Yes. Way. We had streaming video before YouTube. We had streaming music before any of these music services, but we were young Black kids in Columbus, Ohio, where there's no no ecosystem whatsoever for technology. Not at that time at all. I mean, any moves that were being made were being made in Silicon Valley, which I never heard of Silicon Valley at that time. Okay, I want to go back to the piece on cash flow positive for a bit, because was there a period when you were starting up, whether it was the website or the consulting company where cash was tight and you had to really figure out how to make do? Like, how did you zero in to make sure you were starting a business that was going to be successful? There's no way to predict that. You know, like, yes, lots of struggles, lots of cash flow struggles throughout the years. Many. The only reason why it didn't fail is I refuse to give up. I mean, I'll be very transparent. Even today, right now, this very second, Flat Out of Heels has some cash flow challenges because I have two companies and all of my time and attention is going to solutions vending, which we've raised over a million dollars. But on the other hand, something had to suffer, mm-hmm. you know? So now I'm going to shift my energy back to that. And over the Christmas holiday, where most people are going to be holidaying, I'm going to be working on getting that business back to where it should be and where it can be because of my attention being away from it. So like, there's no way to predict it. Um, I say cash flow positive because, you know, I feel like that's a great accomplishment. Everyone a lot of people shoot for, you know, a level of success that someone else's level or, or, or wants to be measuring, measuring themselves against other people. And for me, I just wanted to make money and support my life. And I did, you know, none of those businesses were multi-million dollar businesses, but I made enough money to live the life that I wanted to live. Um, and that is what I feel is important because that was my goal. I just didn't want to work for someone else. And I was able to do what I loved every day and be able to pay my bills. There were times when it was tough, of course, hundred percent. Many times it was tough, but being very resourceful, you know, having a great network, trading off on skills. Um, as a consultant, it was a lot easier because I had always new contracts, but then the recession hit. And that's why I, um, kind of pivoted my consulting business to working with athletes because Mm -hmm. in 2007, nobody, I was working with like small businesses and nonprofits. They couldn't afford to pay me anymore. So it's always, you know, I can't say I have a secret sauce. It's just the secret is don't quit. Don't. It's going to be hard as hell and still don't quit. 
uh, I needed to hear that. Let's get into flat out heels. That's what most people know you for. You know, how did that idea come about and how did you go about turning it into a business? Yeah, so it came about because, like I said, I worked with as a consultant and I worked with athletes for several years in Atlanta and I was doing events and parties and fundraisers, but would always see women, of course, walking barefoot out of the club. Like I traveled all <laughs> over the country going to clubs. At this time, I'm in my 20s. I clubbed everywhere you could club at. And you always see women walking barefoot. But I didn't think anything of it. Didn't know, you know, it's just something I noticed. And one night um, after I moved to Miami for my first um, sabbatical, well, I took eight months off of work. I was at an event um, wearing heels and my feet were killing me. And I thought it was like one of those thoughts we get random thoughts all the time. Like I wish there was a vending machine where I could buy a pair of flats. It just was like out of nowhere. But I also felt that that might have been my aha moment. So the next day I looked into it. I started to do research, you know, looking on Google, reading up on things like, does this even exist? Like, can is it possible to sell shoes and vending machines? It, how would I do that? I think it's a cool idea. You know, I want to do it. I've never done a product before. I love a challenge. Let's do it. And from my relationships that I had over the, at this point now, like, you know, I've been in business for a while and I had a lot of relationships. So I wrote a business plan and pitched it to some of the athletes and some of my friends from college. And I was able to raise within the first, within the first month, $10,000 to get started. And within the first six months, I think I raised about 150,000 from friends and former clients of mine. They, and they, they too thought it was a great idea to have shoes and vending machines. Um, little did I know like really what I was signing up for at the time. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know, like if I could do it all again, I would, but very, very differently. But the first thing I did was look online. I feel like I'm really good at just deep web searching. And this is before Alibaba was like a popular thing. Mm -hmm. It was when it just started. And I found this very generic looking listserv of manufacturers in China on this new site called Alibaba that looked like it just looked bad. But I found some people and it worked out. And I actually still work with those same manufacturers, but they, they were willing to work with me and do small minimum order quantities they were really helpful in like me sourcing the materials and going through the design process. And so I put my shoes out, sold them online. The vending machines were, I failed a few times at that before I was able to really get a machine that worked. But that experience is why I started my company solutions vending, which was called shoe vending, then was called solutions vending. Now it's called Popcom. So like, it's like, my life is like constant pivots. It's like, like that organic process. Yeah, yeah. Like constantly moving to the next thing from starting urban star to pivoting to consulting, to consulting, to a shoe product, to vending machines, to now realizing that vending machine hardware is really archaic and not smart to starting a software company to solve that. It's just like over 60 years. So before we get into solutions vending, though, I'm really curious about flat out heels. And OK, first of all, people get ideas every day. But the fact that you were like, OK, I'm actually going to do this. I'm looking up how to get the shoes made and manufactured. How did you start actually selling them? Was it online at that point? Was it you you know, started working with local vendors? What was your next step? So, again, just like leaning on my network. And I continue to say like my network is my net worth because I had this shoe idea from me doing parties and events all over the country. I had a lot of Facebook friends, a lot. And I was pretty active on there. So I said, Hey, I came out with a shoe. I, I put a survey out and I was trying to get a hundred people to take this survey. So I got over a hundred. So I said, okay, people are reading my posts. So then I did, you know, I took their advice about like 
what the price point should be and would they buy it? And then when I started to sell it online, sell the shoes online after the vending machines kept failing, getting them manufactured, people just started buying them. And what I found was people were buying them from the cities I lived in. So got a lot of support from Columbus, Ohio, a lot of support from Atlanta, Georgia, a lot of support from Miami. And that's where my orders were coming from. People that know me and people that know people that know me, those were my customers. They were just legit supporting because honestly, our first version was not good and they still were buying them. So it's really the network. (laughs) So how do you scale beyond that? Like, obviously you can't, you know, grow a company with just people who know you. So did you start investing in marketing at that point in addition to improving the product? I mean, word of mouth, but luckily I started a business at the beginning of social media. The beginning of like Instagram was new. Um, You know, Twitter, these things were new things. And I had a lot of relationships with celebrities and influencers. And this is before they got paid to post things. So I had a full blown influencer marketing campaign that I paid nothing for. I got all these celebrities to post my shoes because they liked them and I gave them to them for free. This was the days when you can give somebody a product and they will post it because you gave them a product. Now it's that's over. I mean, that's very that's rare. That's going to happen. But that's how I grew the business was from um, giving away free shoes to publicists and giving away free shoes to celebrities for events. So we would do a lot of events. We would do, um, you know, product placement in places. And I, I had a very small budget. Uh, And it just really took off from there, just from word of mouth and organic placements from media and, you know, events. But I don't even know if that will work again the way times are now, because the algorithms on Facebook are different and on Instagram, people are not posting for free. You now have to say if it's an ad, like it's just so much. It's changed. A lot has changed. Now, you mentioned that if you had to do it all over again, you would approach the start of Flat Out Heels completely differently. Can you talk about that? Like, would you still go through overseas? Would you work with the same vendors? Yeah, I would go overseas. I would have the same vendors. I would have set my company up differently. I would have set it up as a C corporation in in Delaware with the goal of scaling it and attracting venture capital funding. I would have got a co-founder. I would have, you know, found someone that was very passionate about building this business who wanted to go all in with me instead of doing it by myself. That was, I would say, if anybody asked me, what was the, what's the number one reason why Flat Out of Heels is not like multi-million dollars? Because I was doing it by myself and I really didn't have a lot of help. And some people, they can do things by themselves with not a lot of help, but I don't believe anyone can really scale a business alone. Even if you're a single founder, there's someone very strong on your team to give you that support. And I never had that strong team and that strong support to help push things forward. So while I'm out building relationships and partnerships and bringing in money in from investors and, you know, there was no one working the business. It was me doing the business work too. So that was really difficult. So I would definitely have got a co-founder. And then in the early days of me trying to get money from investors, they would say, we don't invest in companies with single founders. We don't invest in shoes. But now companies like All Birds and Birdies have raised millions and millions of dollars. So Again, things have changed. Like a lot has changed for the good and lots of things, you know, changed that aren't so good. But back then they wouldn't even let me call my website technology. You know, I said, everything that drives my business is tech. I mean, all of my CRM, all of my customer, you know, everything to do with my business is technology. That's what's driving it. My ads, my customer acquisition. But they still said, you know, since I sourced and manufactured my own product and sold my own product, I wasn't a tech company, which now that's changed. Right. 
But now with um, Solutions Vending, I've waited it out for five years and wait till the market caught up to where my vision was. So this is like patience. Hey guys, so as many of you know, I got married in August 2017. And when it came time to make a wedding website, I turned to Squarespace. Squarespace allows you to customize the look and feel of your website with just a couple of clicks. And you have your pick of beautiful templates created by world-class designers, plus free and secure hosting. So we were able to snag our wedding hashtag, Okome Ever After, as our URL through Squarespace, and it made everything come together seamlessly, including RSVPs. Not only that, but it was optimized for mobile, which is how most of our friends access the site. So whatever your next big idea or project might be, you can count on Squarespace to help you create an eye-catching online platform that brings it all to life. Maybe you need a site to sell your products or even create your own wedding website. Squarespace gives you everything you need to look like a pro right from the start. Head over to squarespace.com for your free trial today and enter offer code HUSTLEPRO10 to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Speaking of solutions vending, so now let's get into this pivot. So talk to us a little bit about, you know, having the idea like, okay, we need vending machines for this product and then deciding to actually make it happen yourself. Yeah, so... You're right. You know, I wanted to have vending machines for convenience. It's an emergency product. When your feet hurt, you need them now. You don't really think about, let me go buy some flats online and put them in my purse. Like you want them now. That's where you get the turnaround. So I wanted that. I knew that's what I wanted, you know, instant delivery. Um, I went out looking for a manufacturer, contracted with a manufacturer in Spain, paid that money. They didn't work, lost, you know, well spent, learned (laughs) $15,000 out of the bank for that, which is a lot, especially for a very small company. Oh, yeah. And I say, you know, I need to take it into my own hands. And I, I'm the same way about my products. Even now with, with Popcom, I want to have my ownership of my products and I want to bring it into in-house. So I said, let me just go hire some people that can build things and bring them on my team and let's build these in-house. And that's what worked. Getting engineers, hardware engineers and, de- and software developers to do the firmware and build the hardware for the machine. And it worked. Um, and we built five as a test and put the first one in Atlanta Airport put the second one in Club Live. We did an MGM Grand, just testing them out to see. And that's when I realized, you know, I'm not ready to scale this business because I'm not getting enough data, but I didn't know how to get the data yet. While at the same time, companies were contacting me like, I love this machine. Can you build one for me? So the first pivot was changing the name from shoe vending, where I'm just building vending machines for flat out, to solutions vending, where, okay, now, I'll build machines for other people, but I still hadn't figured out how I was going to do that. So in the meantime, just trying to figure out how can I build machines that last and that people want? Because the challenges that I was having with the flat out machines was that people would say, how's your, how are your machines doing? And I really didn't know because unlike my e-commerce store where Google analytics tell me my traffic and conversion rates and all of that, I knew nothing from these machines. And I knew that once again, me thinking ahead, the future of retail is around data. You cannot have a box selling something that you don't know anything about what's happening with that box. And so before I could even go sell this to someone else, I needed to solve that problem because if I didn't, they'll buy the box for me and two years two years later, it's worthless, like the ones that I have. So that's when I figured out, you know, all right, we need to collect data on vending machines. People don't want to give you data. They don't want to type in anything. 
how can I get this information from the customer with very minimum input from them, but that can really help me to gather insight. Then I thought, okay, e-commerce is doing it by using IP addresses mm -hmm. and dropping pixels. Okay, what's the what's the real life version of IP address? Okay, the human body, like the person. So how can I track the person? All right, facial recognition is a thing that's being used. Can I use facial recognition on self-service retail on vending machines? Studied that. Okay, yes, I can. So it's like a matter of just checking off problems. Like, can I do this? Let me see. Okay, yes. And keep going forward and solving that problem. And I realized I could use face recognition. Then I said, how? Okay, cameras. When people freak out from a camera, how can I anonymize it? Where people only opt in for customized personal data, but then everything else is just general. Because when your IP address, we know it's your computer, but we don't know your name. We don't know right. you. So got that narrowed down to creating software that uses facial recognition on self-service retail to collect anonymized data from customers, including their age, gender, engagement, their emotions, count the traffic passing by, calculate the actual conversion rates of people passing by versus how many actually make a purchase, and then prompt the customer to give you their email address for lead generation in the same way that websites do. And that's with the offer, free shipping, a discount, a percent, something. So incentivizing them to shop on self-service retail, which is not done, which has not been done until now. So like just a checklist of how can I get there? Thank you. So your machines are now equipped with this technology or in the process of being equipped with this? They are. They are. Um, we only brought, we only have one. So we just finished Techstars in October. Um, I spent the past year really fine tuning my business model, how I'm going to scale this business to a company that I can, that can be acquired and has extreme value to it. And I had to figure that out because, you know, hardware is not that scalable. There's, there are plenty of hardware companies on the market. So I just needed to figure out what's my, um, what's my proposition going to be my value proposition and that's software. Mm -hmm. So how can I monetize that? How can I scale that? How can I integrate that into, you know, the over 8 million machines in the market today? And that's, that's growing 30% year over year, as far as smart machines in the market. And, you know, that was just like a, a process of figuring out like, what am I, how am I going to make this, make money out of this and make money from this? And that's what Techstars did for me is help me really figure that out. So now our MVP minimum viable product, which is amazing. It's, it's more than minimum, but that was released in October. We have six customers. Those customers are launching in March and we have a really long list of customers that want our software, but now we have a small team and, and it's like an interesting problem to have that our team can accommodate the demand right now. And so now I raised a round of funding to go and hire people. This is so, that so we can... exciting. Yeah. Like, I'm excited for you. My heart is pumping. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> That's never happened before, but that, that is amazing. Okay. So let's unpack this a little bit. So first okay. of all, okay. When you went out to find these business partners, plus the people to actually make this software, how did you go about that? You know, a lot of people say, oh, just Google. It's easy to figure out. Like, where were you searching? Was it AngelList? Like, talk to me about that. LinkedIn, I'll say my most valuable business tools have been LinkedIn and industry publications. So, like, you know, um, LinkedIn helps you narrow down by industry people that work in industries and that work for companies and that are a member of different groups of interest. So I went after vending groups, people that are into automated retail people that work for automated retail companies, you can, you can segment on 
LinkedIn looking for people with a certain job title, engineers, hardware. So found those kind of people. AngelList, you know, I, honestly, I don't use it like people do. I'm not like a big fan of it, but I'm, I have a profile, AngelList, Crunchbase, Gust, all of the platforms were there. But I found for me, really targeting the industry. So I go after vending times and kiosk marketplace and automated retail shows. And I go to the spree show, which is specialty retail shows. And, you know, anything that's around my industry, that's where I focus because it's like so much noise out there trying to be on a general platform looking for like, it's like a needle in a haystack. But if you go to a, a whole group of people that that's their passion, um, it's helpful. And so I, I encourage everyone, like just find like every, no matter what you do or what your interests are or what your hobbies are, there's a group of people who like to do it the most craziest thing. So you can definitely find people that want and are working in the industry that you're in and want products like yours. And they're talking about it. They're on Reddit, they're on, you know, LinkedIn, they're on all these different groups and just go find them. Facebook groups, go find those people. And for this business, this is the first time, I mean, I don't know if accelerators were around with the other businesses, but this is the first time you decided to go through the accelerator process. What made you decide to do that? Well, I did new me accelerator um, for flat out with Angela Benton in San Francisco. And I did a sprint, which was a financial modeling sprint to help me build out my growth plan, which definitely did result in 500% growth for the business from that year to the next year. So it was really great, but it was a two week program. They didn't invest. Uh, It was an acceleration program and it was great. But just from studying, you know, startups and having a lot of friends here, you know, in the space, being a part of an accelerator, not only for the, of course, investment, but to give you give money and help me. I needed help. I had a very small team, me and a few other people. I needed a lot more knowledge than I needed money because I learned from my experience with Flat Out. They gave me money, believing like because I'm a good business person, but I didn't know what I was doing. And nobody knew what we were doing. Like I had a few people working with me, but no one did this before. This time I said, okay, I'm not going to do something with no one around me that's done this before. I'm going to surround myself people that have actually done this very successfully many times so that they can show me how to do it and I can succeed. And that has been the key difference between the, the movement and the momentum and the funding of flat out versus solutions vending is I was surrounded by people that are experts in like doing everything that I'm doing and I don't have to ever guess or question or wonder. So the value of that accelerator is that information. And then of course the money, but then TechSars was just like a life-changing thing for me. But I also did Canopy Boulder, which was a great accelerator as well. And there are a lot of great programs out there. So, you know, TechStars and Y Combinator, and those are very elite programs and they're hard to get into, but those aren't the only ones. There's, there's a lot of local communities and, you know, they, they have really great accelerator programs. And I just encourage people to get into any program where you could be surrounded by experts. Right. Where do you have to be mentally and, you know, emotionally in your business to actually be successful in the accelerator process? I mean, like laser, laser focused. It's very intense. I'll say going through Techstars was one of the most intense things that I've ever experienced in my life and career just because of the time, just because of the fast, fast pace, you have to learn things very quickly, put them into place very quickly. You have to be humble, like no ego, like you don't know shit. Like you think you know everything, you get in there, you don't know nothing. And it's okay because you don't know what you don't know. And so the most like critical thing is people making you aware of information that you never knew and you didn't even know you didn't know, so you weren't even looking to learn. So once you put that to the side and say, you know what, I don't know everything, 
I'm an open book. I'm here to take all the advice and feedback. I'm going to listen to it all. I'm going to absorb it. I'm going to make my own decisions based on that. But I'm just like here to learn. You have to just like be ready to get picked apart, you know, put it back together and just be extremely open minded. And it works. I mean, it, it, it was amazing for me. And, and when I got out of the program, I closed my round really quickly. And it was just beyond my expectation. Congratulations on closing your round. And can you explain a little bit about the money piece of that? So at the end of the accelerator, are you able to pitch investors right then and there as part of the program? Yes. So, I mean, depending on the stage of your business, which some companies were further ahead than others, some companies in tech starts, my program were already generating over a million dollars a year in a company like mine that had no revenue. Um, we're still pre-revenue. So, you know, depending on your stage, they'll put you in front of investors. I didn't want to be in front of investors until I had my product ready. So demo day, which every accelerator has a demo day, is when you demo your what you've been working on for the past 12 weeks and investors come and you get on stage and you present and you pitch. And then, you know, um, in our case, also, we had like one on one sit downs with different in investors at like six, six at a time we would do pitches. So I probably did nine or 10 pitches in one day on the day of demo day. Then, you know, throughout the course of the program, most of them are this way. I don't think they're they all have as many as tech stars, but we met with 75 mentors, many of them investors over the course of like three weeks. And then you just continue to develop those relationships throughout the program. And then they'll check in on you. And after it's over, you just say, hey, we're raising this. We're raising and see if you can raise money from them. Surprisingly, the money that I raised after tech stars was all from relationships that I had the year prior. So people that I met last summer that I continue to follow up with at least every month for the past year. Just, you know, they already told me, no, they weren't investing last summer. When I asked, I, I send out a quarterly email and I do like every few months, just a follow-up check-in. This is what I'm working on. How are you doing email? And it worked. And as soon as I got back from Techstars right away, like I sent out an email, I'm finished with Techstars, I'm raising money. And I got people that had been following me for a while. So I say this to say, build relationships when you're not looking for money. You don't want to raise money so that when you are, they know you, they, they're familiar with you, they're comfortable, they've seen your progress. It's very difficult to go meet new people and get brand new money. Even, even with Techstars Demo Day, I did, I did meet an investor there who ended up joining my round, but his process takes two months. So from Demo Day October, it takes two months. I'm just about to get the check now. So if I didn't have those relationships already lined up, we were out of runway, which means money in the bank. We were out of money in the bank at the end of the tech stars. So I had to get money in the bank. And if I would not have been building those relationships all along, we would have really suffered. It would have been really bad. I love that tip about keeping in touch and, you know, making sure that you're not just doing that like, hey, I need money now. But you also, you know, write really great articles on LinkedIn. Like you make sure that you continue to show your thought leadership and show how invested and knowledgeable you are in this industry. So how did you work on intentionally crafting that part of yourself, that part of your brand? Like you are known for pitching like a boss, for example. Oh, thank <laughs> when, you. When did you pick up those skills? I've always been a good a public speaker, I think, from my journalism degree and never been afraid to get in rooms. But I learn from people. You know, I, I read a lot of books. I watch. It's like all the information is out here. I look at people who've done what I've done, even on like a micro level. Like I remember when I really want to succeed as a journalist, I said, who's the most successful journalist that I know that I want to be with? Oprah. How does she wear her nails? 
she wears manicured plain nails. And when you start looking at all the other women who are successful in the area they want to be successful in, they all had the same kind of pattern, right? Like the way they dress, the way they had their hair, the way they had their nails, like this is what the winning combination is, right? So I look at entrepreneurs who have been extremely successful and done what I want to do. And I'm looking at what are they doing? They're thought leaders, they're speakers, they're very good pitch, at pitching. And then I watch their pitches and there's certain information that they touch on every single time. So if they're doing it and it's working, I'm going to do it. And I still do it. Like there's people that are, that I follow, you know, they're like my mentors in my head and I learn from them and a lot of, you know, a lot of books. So I didn't make up anything that I'm doing. I'm just doing what other people have done successfully and then putting my own personality and my own story to it, because that's what makes us all unique. No one's going to be exactly like anybody else, but if there's certain behaviors, activities that work consistently, like there's no need to reinvent the wheel. All righty. Now, one last question before we transition to the lightning round. How do you continue to financially sustain yourself given this unpredictable nature of when the checks will come in, you know, when the rounds will close? How do I sustain myself? That's interesting. Um, always like having a couple of different streams of income. And so one thing like investors will say to you is we really want you to be focused a hundred percent on this. And are you doing something else? And so they want you to be go all in, but at the same time, you're right. Like today, like right now, today, we're in a good place. We have over a year of runway in the bank. That means if I didn't make a single dollar for a year, I have enough money to pay me and all my team and do everything I need to do. So now I don't have to worry about going out and coming up with different streams of income. But before that, I would do speaking engagements. I would do, I would consult. So I had my consulting company in, you know, 2005 to 2011, but then I've picked up a lot of new skills along the way and people would always ask me for help on things. So I would, you know, do some side work just to pay my minimum bills. I always made sure like my minimum bills were paid and then I would live below my means. And I would, at the time it was like, all right, all of my bills for the month, including me and my daughter would be like $2,500 a month. So I go out and try to get a few consulting contracts to maybe do a few business plans or a few social media plans. I started like a social media marketing agency on the side that generated, you know, a nice amount of money for me when everybody wasn't doing that. So it was just, you know, it was a nice source of income, just being very creative being super broke too, mm-hmm. you know, being super broke, super broke. I mean, mm. you know, bills get paid late. Almost you almost like the rental on the first is like the 15 and the landlord like you type of stuff. Like <laughs> just give me a second. Like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm out here grinding, you know, but I would say like back to your original question of how did I survive being very creative, always like taking the side hustles that I can do, the, the skills that I have, the unknown talents that I have many of them just doing those things and make money. I love it. I love it. All right. Now we're going to do a quick lightning round where you just answer the first thing that comes to mind. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Number one, what's an online resource that has helped you in your business that you can share with the Side Hustle Pro audience? LinkedIn. I've made a lot of money from LinkedIn. People respond LinkedIn. Okay. Number two, what's been the best business book or podcast episode or live event that you've consumed this year? This year, Afrotech was the most amazing live event. Uh, Hard Things About Hard Things by Ben Horowitz is a great read. All righty. Number three, which black woman entrepreneur inspires you and why? 
man, there's so many. Who's the first person that came to mind was actually Jewel Burks. She's just very smart. She's a young woman, started a business. She's very similar to me. I can relate to her because she started a business called Part Pick, which is dealing in finding parts. And it's so non-traditional and it's so unsexy, but it's such a need. And the same thing with me. So I can relate to her. And she was able to scale that business and sell it to Amazon. And that's something that I want to do. So she's um, a lot of entrepreneurs that I think of, you know, they're way out of reach, right? Like they're somebody like Oprah or somebody like that. But like Jewel is like real life person that I can call and reach out to. And that's like in, in the real world. And I think it's so important to have somebody like that. Number four, what's a personal habit that has helped you significantly in your business? Follow-ups. The follow-up is critical. Mm. I have a folder called networking in my email. And any time that, like, I'll meet somebody at an event, tons of them, send them a follow-up email. Hey, nice to meet you. They'll reply back. Nice to meet you, too. We may not have any business to do, or maybe later I'll put them in a networking folder. Once a month, once every other month, I revisit that folder. I'll reply to that email. How are things going? Using that email, they'll say something about their business, their wife, their dog, their new baby, something. How's the baby? How's the dog? How's this? How's that? So just, like, build a real human relationship with them. And the follow-up is just, is critical. That's, that's my claim to fame. Yes. All righty. Number five, what's your parting advice for fellow women entrepreneurs who want to be their own boss, but are worried about losing a steady paycheck? Um, you're going to lose a steady paycheck, but don't quit. Follow it. Go after it. Every business that we work for now, somebody started it. So if you look at a billion dollar company, someone started that business. So that's, it's obtainable and be willing to sacrifice, be willing to give up everything. Because at the end of the day, when you, when you die or when you look back on your life, when you're older, one thing you don't want to have is regrets. I wish I would have started that business, but I was scared because I was relying on the check when it's just money. I mean, yeah, we have families, we have kids, but I am a very, very, very um, spiritual person. And I know God got me. Like my daughter even says it like, God got us. Like anything Aww. that happens, God, God got us. We're good. It's the most random things can happen. And I'm just like, you know what? God got me. I'm not worried about it. I know that I'm here for purpose. I feel like I'm walking in that purpose. And when you are walking in your purpose, everything will conspire for you to succeed. You don't have to know all the steps ahead of you. It just keep walking. It's like running in the dark, but just keep going. I love that. Alrighty. So what's the best way that we can connect with you after this episode? Definitely check me out on LinkedIn, my favorite place, Dawn Dixon, D-I-C-K-S-O-N. I'm also on Facebook, Dawn Dixon on Twitter and Instagram. So I put out a lot of content on my social media. I really think it's important to share the things that I learned. So if you're looking for good content around startups or funding or just any information like that, I'm always posting things. I can attest to that, guys, because I stalk her life on IG. (laughs) (laughs) All righty. Thank you so much for joining us in the guest chair. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. It's really a pleasure. Yes. And there you have it. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to Side Hustle Pro. If you want to hear more from me, head on over to sidehustlepro.co forward slash side hustle corner to get my weekly side hustle diaries chronicles about my own journey from passion project to profitable business. And if you want to find me online, I'm at Side Hustle Pro on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Don't forget to join the Side Hustle Pro Facebook community. Go to sidehustlepro.co forward slash mastermind. And as always, if you love the show, 
Do me a favor and subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Thanks, guys. Talk to you next week.